At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Thanks for tuning into our series, The Follower's Trail Guide, Navigating the Path of Jesus, where we're asking the question, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? As we walk through Jesus' farewell discourse to his followers in the book of John, we'll learn to follow in the steps of Christ as he marks out the way of discipleship for us. All right, this morning, if you have a Bible or electronic device, I'm going to encourage you to take it out and turn with me to the book of John. We're going to be in John chapter 15 this morning. John chapter 15. You know, one of the uh, most exciting and challenging things about living in our country is that in America, you can be all that you want to be. Right? If you work hard, you can produce different things, you can live out the American dream, and life seems to be based on all that you can produce. Right? If you produce more and you work hard, you can have more and you can be more. And those, those are good things. Right? It's good to be able to have the freedom to express ourselves and to enjoy hard work and all of that. But there's sometimes when we think about the production of things, and we try to take that and relate it to our Christian walk, we can walk in a different way, a difficult way, a way that goes against God's design. Let me give you an example of this. You see, God does not relate to us based on our effort. He doesn't relate to us based on our work. He doesn't relate to us based on how much we work or how our work ethic is. The only way that God relates to us is what, how we place faith or if we place faith in Jesus Christ. Right, so we're trained, we're taught to, as you grow up, you want to work hard so that you can get good grades, so that you get good grades, so you can get into a good school, so that if you get into a good school, you can work really, really hard so that you can get a good job. And then when you have that really, really good job, you can work really, really hard so that you can have more things. So you have the bigger house, you can have the nicer car, you can have the great family, you can send your kids to the right school so that they can perpetuate that same cycle. Now, I'm thankful for the freedoms that we have. And we should work hard. But when we take a look at our Christian faith, our Christian faith is not about what we produce. Our Christian faith is about in whom we believe and in whom we delight. Last week, Pastor Tyler did an amazing job preaching through the beginning of of chapter 15. And in that passage, he talks about as believers, Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, right? And we're there to produce much fruit. Now, you may have left last Sunday and you may have focused in on that. I'm a believer and so I must produce much fruit, And so maybe you're like, you left last Sunday as Pastor Tyler preached clearly the need for abiding, but what you heard instead was, I have to produce more. And maybe you left a little frustrated because you're like, man, I need to be a better husband. I need to be a better wife. I need to be a better parent. I need to do this better. I need to do this better. And I need to do this better because I got to produce. If you left feeling that way last Sunday, you missed the whole passage 
because it's so easy for us as followers of Jesus who also live in this culture to think that life is all about production. And everywhere else, every, every other place in the world looks at what you produce to give you your value and give you your standing and give you your satisfaction. Jesus is not looking at what you produce to, as a source of satisfaction. You guys following me? Right, our, our culture says this, that you're better by what you do. And last week what we learned is no, 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 no. Our main goal, our purpose in life, our position in life is just to abide in the relationship with our Savior. Our eyes should not be focused over here on production. Our eyes should be focused on our Savior where we say, I love you, I need you, I desire everything that I have to be yours and all of that. We're abiding in the vine and then when we're doing that, it produces these other things. Right, we get it wrong. You live over here, you're gonna live a frustrated Christian life. You're gonna live a defeated Christian life. You're gonna live a tired Christian life. But if you live this way, abiding in him, eyes gazed on him, heart connected to him, what's gonna happen is he's gonna produce these things through you. He's gonna do it, not you. And your role, my role, our role is just to abide. Man, that makes it so simple. Today, what we're going to see as we're continuing to look at this series is we, we've got to understand, we've got to get this abiding right. Because today we're going to talk about the fruit. And if you start saying, okay, I got to produce this fruit, I got to produce this fruit, I got to produce fr this fruit, you've missed it. The reason that we have fruit in our lives is because we look at the fruit and it's evidence that we're abiding. If we are abiding, then this will happen. We're gonna see this today, that as we look at the byproduct, one of the byproducts of abiding, today we're gonna to see is love. When we're abiding, when we're in that relationship with the Lord, when we're pressing into him, when we're gazing on him, we're loving him and we're being loved by him, what's gonna happen is it's gonna produce love. And so today as we continue our series, The Follower's Trail Guide, we're seeing that Jesus is preparing his disciples as he's getting ready to go to the cross, when he's doing, going to do the work of redemption. It's as though Jesus understands that his time here on earth, these last few moments with his disciples are coming short and he knows that like the crescendo of all human history is coming to its apex when he goes to the cross and when he dies for the sins of the world and he's gonna go to a grave and he's gonna come back alive. He knows that's coming. But he's trying to prepare his disciples for that, those moments. And he's trying to, as he knows that time's getting short, it's almost like he, we enter into the labor and delivery room. Right, as, as the baby's coming, the baby's coming and the pain becomes more severe and the, the time in which the pain comes is becoming closer and closer and closer. This is kind of like the scene. Jesus understands this and the disciples are like, like a father in the labor, I don't even know what's happening. But Jesus knows. Jesus knows what's coming. And he wants his disciples to be prepared. 
He wants, he's, he's teaching them these things that they may not even hear in the moment, but there's coming a time where we learned a couple weeks ago that they will understand all these things. Where when they have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of them, all of these things will make sense. And so today, as we look at this passage, what I want us to see is that the main fruit that is produced as a result of us abiding in Christ is love. The big idea that we're going to see today is that we are called to walk in the way of love that looks far different than what we imagine. This idea of love, this way of love that Jesus is speaking of in this passage looks far different than we imagine. And so we're going to see two truths about that today as we look at God's word. The first truth that we're going to see is that Jesus defines our definition of love. Jesus defines our definition of love. Let's jump into the text in verse 12 together. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And I think this is important. This week and next week, we're going to see two massive fruit that are produced from our abiding. This is a good fruit and next week is gonna be a good fruit but it's a painful fruit and both of these fruit can be painful in our lives because when we step into this arena and love in this way, it gets messy, it gets painful, it becomes challenging. We have to walk through relational challenges. We have to walk through people's feelings and perceptions and all of those things and it becomes very, very messy and you can't walk through those things unless you're abiding. And so Jesus says, you abide in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. One of these fruits you're going to bear is love. And as we look at this passage, what I think is important is the first thing we notice about Jesus' words is that his words are coming from a place of divine authority. He's saying, I, this is my commandment. This isn't God's commandment. This is my commandment. But prior to this, we know that in the Old Testament, God was the only one that was able to break, give commandments. Right? God was the one that gave the Ten Commandments. God was the one, because God is creator, and you've heard me say this over and over and over again, because God is creator, he has the right to set the rules. He gets the right to determine what's right, what's wrong, what's good, and what's bad, and he has. And he's given to that uh, to us in his word. But now Jesus is claiming divine authority. And he says, I give you a command. So not only does God give commands, but so does Jesus. And he says, this is how you are to live. You are to have love for one another. And in the immediate context, what he's talking about is he's talking to the 11 disciples that are still there. He's saying, you are to love one another. This is my commandment to you. The disciples were called to love one another and by extension, we are called to the same love of one another. As followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, this call that Jesus gave in this upper room to his 11 that were there is the same call that goes to us. Is that we are called to love each other. And this love that we're supposed to be marked with is not a sentimental love. It's not just a love that's based in emotion where we look at each other and we have 
longing gazes in each other's eyes. Look, that's not what we're called. It's, it's not like a middle school crush. Where we're like, I can't, I hope that person sits next to me in worship today. That's, <laughs> that's not what we're called to. It's not a middle school crush, but this love is to love as Jesus has loved us. And Jesus defines love here as a sacrificial giving of himself. This love that we're called to is a giving up of ourselves for the sake and for the betterment of the one that we love. Giving up of ourself is love. We live in a world that says, love yourself. Take care of yourself. The only person that's most important is you. That's not entirely true. Right? The Bible calls us to give of our resources, to give of ourselves for those that we love. And he says this, this is what it looks like, that love is being willing to lay down, not being willing, but to actually lay down your life for your friends. It's exactly what Jesus is getting ready to do. Giving up his life for his friends Unlike everyone else who is mortal, like you and I, we, we, will, we will die and then we go on into eternity, but we are mortal. We know and understand that Jesus is immortal. Jesus did not have to die because of his divine nature, because he was God. He did not have to die, but Jesus chose to die to fulfill the will of the Father so that you and I could practice this new kind of love. Jesus demonstrates it to us. I love how John, who we're talking about here, writes in 1 John 3.16, he says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. So Jesus, in his love, models for us this selfless, other-focused, sacrificial love and we're called to walk in practicing this type of love. See, Jesus, understanding what Jesus has done for us, comes from a place where we got to understand our position before God. You see, God has created us, and he's created us to know him and to be in an intimate relationship with him. But the problem is we've sinned. Each one of us have rejected God. We've all said, God, we don't want your love. We don't want your presence in our lives. We want to go our own way. We want to sit on the throne of our own lives, and we want to call the shots. So God... I'm only gonna call on you when I have a problem that's too big for me. And the Bible calls that sin. And when we live in that way, what has happened is we separate ourselves from a holy God as a sinful man. And there's nothing that we can do to bridge that gap. So what has to happen? God and his infinite love for us. I love how John writes in chapter three, verse 16. He says, for God so loved the world, sinful world, separated world, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. So God, in his infinite love for us, sends Jesus to walk the path of suffering with us, taking on flesh. Then Jesus goes to a cross where at the cross he willfully lays down his life. They didn't take his life. Jesus sacrificially gave his life to be the offering so that a sinful man and a holy God could be reunited. 
Because Jesus on the cross paid the penalty for your sins and for my sins. The punishment that was due you and me for my work in iniquity and transgression and all kinds of other things that we do, that was all paid for by Jesus on the cross. And he did it for us. This is what Jesus has in mind when he's talking to the disciples on this day and to you and I that we're to love in this way. Not a love that makes much of us, but a love that makes much of the one that we love. But I think this is also pretty interesting, is that this act of love was for his friends. For his friends. Referring to his disciples. So now we see Jesus who is is fully God. We see him leaning into his humanity. And he says that you are my friends. We are friends of Jesus based solely on his love and on his sacrifice. We are his friends. Not not based on what we've done. Jesus calls us friend. Because he did the work to save us from our sins. The only clarifier is that is when we place faith in his work. When we trust in what he's done, not what we've done. We trust in what he's done. Then we become his friend. And he calls us friend. And not only do we receive his friendship, but God, we are a friend of God based solely on the work of the Son. And so the Father receives the friends of the Son. I know my kids have some friends that I wish they didn't have. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I love all all my kids' friends. But we have God, and we're friends with God because of Jesus. Because we're friends of Jesus, the Father approves us and says, you are my friend because of what my son has done. That is an amazing thing. But here's the the kicker about that. I love how Paul writes in Romans chapter five, verse 18. He says, but God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like you don't have to like go to school to like learn how to be a friend of Jesus, right? You don't have to be better, do better, clean your act up so that somehow like maybe the father will accept you because you wear the right clothes and because you say yes ma'am and no ma'am and you, you use manners, which is the way a lot of times we do in the world. It's not, any, it's not based on any of that. He loves us while we were still sinners, While we were still separated, he loved us with a love that we can't fully understand, but we can fully experience. All through the Son. And he says, you are to love in this way. You are to love your friends. This is not just an idea, but it's a reality that we should practice based on our abiding. When we abide in Jesus, when we're spending time with him, looking at him to our affection, giving him our attention and all those things, this type of love is produced for our friends. Let me just... I want to ask you to do something for me real quick. I want you to take out your phone, okay? I want you to open up your social media, whichever one that is. That some of you that don't use social media, don't worry about this. This is not an exercise for you. Maybe it's the Facebook or whatever. I want you to click on that part that says friends. Okay? Maybe you've got 1.4 
million friends, I don't know, 1.2K friends. I don't know how many friends you have, but I want you to open up that app and I want you to look at this friends. And as you're going through this friends, I want you to think about which ones you wish were dead. Okay, that's a little extreme. That's, that's a little extreme. Take that back. Go through that list of friends and see which ones you'd be willing to die for. Do it. Which ones are you willing to die for? Which ones are you willing to give your life up? Which ones do you hope do better than you in life? Which ones there do you hope have a better family than you? Which ones do you hope have a better job than you? Which of them do you hope do better than you in every area of your life? And which of them are you willing to lay your life down for? You see any? Now, I want to ask you this question. Which of those friends... Not acquaintances. I'm not talking about the people that are on the fringe. Because I, you, you and I both know that there are people in our lives that are so much on the fringe that like they're, you go through that list and you're like, man, I haven't thought about that person in 22 years. Right? They're, they're, but they're your friends. Right? They're your friends because they're your friends on social media. I want to ask you this question. Those that you would consider friends, those close ones, those that you may be willing to give your life for or you, may, you really do want to do better than yourself, you know, those friends... How many of those friends are part of this church? How many of those friends are part of the kingdom of God? You see, as we look at this passage today, I want us to come at it from a different angle. Jesus says we are called to love in this distinct way, in this sacrificial way. But he calls us to love our friends and he defines friends as those that are in the family of God. It may be that in your life you surrounded yourself with friends. You have friends that you've drawn close to, that you're giving your time and your attention and your affection to. You're giving your very, there are some friends that you would give your life to, but they're not in the family of God. See, Jesus says we are to love the sacrificial way inside the church. Or maybe you're here and you're like, man, I'm supposed to love people in the church? I don't even know anybody here. Maybe Woodside here has been your family for a long time and you've never really jumped in. You've never really dived in here. I encourage you. This is, this is what Jesus is saying. This love that we're supposed to experience is to be inside the body of Christ, inside the family of God. Not that we're not supposed to love our enemies and those, we are called to love them, but Jesus primarily is talking about this kind of love is supposed to be here inside the family of God. Why? Because we're supposed to love each other in a different way than anyone else in the world loves. So that when the world sees how we love each other and how we're sacrificially giving of ourselves for one another, the world says, man, I need that. I desire that. And we're like, hey, you can only have that because we're abiding in Jesus. Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Maybe today, some of your friends need to be re 
located in your sphere of closeness. Maybe there's some people that are on the fringe that need to be moved to the center based on their proximity and based, based upon your relationship that you have and the kinship that you have in Christ. Maybe you've allowed some people that are there in that close center of your sphere of influence and friendship that need to be moved a little bit further away. But we're called to love. You see, when we're young, our friends are based on who we're put with. Right, like when you're in kindergarten, you go to first day of kindergarten, your teacher steps in front of the class and she's like, hey, guess what, friends? We're friends because we're all here. You're in the same class. You have the same teacher. And so you have friends. And, and that happens when you do sports teams, when you're little and other things like that. But as we get older and we become more complex human beings and we begin to feel different things and we have different um, things that we like and the things that we enjoy, what happens is we get to a place where we get to choose our friends. We choose them. Not only we choose them because of shared experience, we choose them because of family relationships. We choose these things and we naturally draw close to certain people. And as we draw close to our friends, what that means is the level of risk increases. The level of investment increases. The level of priority, the priority that they place in our lives raises the bar from down here being far away to being someone that is important in our lives. To love in the way that Jesus calls us to love means that we choose to move closer to the family of God. Your closest friends should be members of the kingdom of God. And I would scarcely say your closest members or your closest friends should be from our church where we're giving of ourselves for each other, where we're walking together through life group and through ministry and other things so that we're walking hand in hand so that when one of us begins to struggle, we have the other one that's there and says, hey, wait, I'm, I love you. Like, I'm sorry you're going through this difficult time. My heart hurts for you that you're going through this. Let me pray for you. Let me encourage you. Let me be there for you. This is what we're called to do. Second, and I'll get through this quickly. Jesus redefines the nature of our relationship. Look at me in verse 15. He says, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his father is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. A massive shift is taking place in this passage. Those that were once referred to as servants are now referred to as friends. There's a big difference in the way we need to see ourselves in the sight of God. We're not just servants. You see, servants, as he talks about here, is servants, in essence, only hear the what they're called to do. Right? The servant wakes up in the morning and is like, Master, what do you want me to do? He's like, I want you to do this, I want you to do this, and I want you to do this, and I want you to do this. Okay, okay, Master, I'll go do it. That's what a servant does. But a master or a, a, a friend goes to his friend, he's like, hey, what do you want to do today? Well, I want you to do this, I want you to do this, I want, let's do this, let's do this. Why? 
because of this, because of this, because of this. See, the friend understands the why, not just the what. And this is exactly what Jesus is saying. You're no longer just, you're not a servant, but you're a friend. I'm gonna tell you the why that I want, the reason that I want you to love one another. It's because it follows in the design of God through the example of Christ. I've called you friends. So now that you've heard everything my father has said, he's made it known to you through me. We know what we're called to do based on the son. So we not only have freedom, we're no longer slaves or servants, but we are also friends. But we also have a responsibility. You see, the amazing thing about this is we see here that God, or Christ, chooses his friends. He says, you have been appointed. You have been chosen. You have been called out from the mass of people that have ever been given life. There are some that have been called out, that have been called into this special relationship that are friends of God. And you know what our opportunity is? Is to make sure more friends get invited to the party. That's our job. We are to love in such a way so that people see the love of the Father living in us as we love one another so that they get invited to the party. Servants know who they are, or servants know what they are to do. Friends know who they are and why they are called to do what they're doing. You see, we are truly incapable of loving in this way, as faithfully and as infinitely as Jesus did, but we can love intentionally and, in, and, and as genuinely as God wants us to when we're abiding in him. Here's the kicker in all of this. You can't walk in love of the church and love of the world at the same time. We can't walk seeking to be loved by the world and being loved by the church at the same time because those are incompatible with each other. So either we're going to forego the one and walk in the other and give ourselves over to love the way the world loves and walk seeking their approval and their acceptance, or we're going to walk in love together. Going back to verse 14, and I'll end with this. He says, you are my friends if you love one another. That is a great identifier of the fruit. Right? You are my friends if you love one another. If we're abiding, again, if we're abiding in Jesus, then love for one another is going to be produced. So right now, what I want us to do today for a few minutes as we close is I want to investigate that fruit. Do you have love for one another? As you look around this room this morning, do you know the people that are sitting to your left, to your right, in front of you, behind you? Do you know where their hearts hurt? Do you know what brings them joy? Do you know, are you, are you connected to them in a way that's much more than how you're doing on a Sunday morning? I mean, I know it's impossible to know everyone here, but do you know people? Do people know you? If you don't this morning have love for each other, 
And there are two options there. There are two possibilities. One, you've either stopped abiding or you've never been in the vine to begin with. Today, we're investigating the fruit. Right? If you don't have love for one another, if you don't have sacrificial love for each other, either you've stopped abiding, and that can be remedied very quickly. If you've stopped abiding, then all you got to do is get back in and abide. Like continue to walk intimately with your Jesus. Turn your gaze away from the things of this world and turn your gaze back on Jesus. Give him your attention and your affection, and then that will be produced. Or if you don't have love for one another, you might not be a part of the family of God to begin with. Maybe you've never come to the place where you've given yourself completely to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you haven't done that, then that's your response today. You can't even hope, you can't even begin to love in this sacrificial way until you are in the vine. So today, maybe your response to all of this is, Lord, help me to see, help me to see where my love is. And then help me not to try to manufacture love, but Lord, help me once again to abide in you. And would you change my actions? Would you change the things that I'm doing based on my affections for you? Church, this is an important season in our lives and in the lives of history. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we're called to love. That should be the mark of our lives we walk into work and be like, that person loves, that's a person of love, that's a person of love, that's a, per-. like people should see us as that. It should be like a mark over, maybe we should all go and get a tattoo. No, I'm just kidding, don't get a tattoo. Our lives should be the marker of our love. And that begins by us abiding. If we hope to make a difference in this world, it begins by us spending the time with our Savior, giving him our all. Today, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, I wanna encourage you to consider giving your life to him. If you're here and you wanna do that, I'm gonna be available after the service today. You come grab me by the hand and say, Pastor, I wanna know Jesus. Or maybe you're here today and you just need some time because your life hasn't been marked by love. Maybe your life's been marked by self-love. Maybe you've been selfish and self-centered and you've forgotten all about the fact that we begin abiding in him and that's where you need to come back to this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your words today. We thank you for your truths. And we thank you that you have showed us the way of love through Jesus the Son. And so Father, I pray today that you would help us to love in this way. That you would help us to be reminded of who our family is, who our brothers and sisters are, and how we're to live together. So Father, today I pray that you'd help us to give more of ourselves to you so that we may love each other better. Father, I pray in these next few moments as we sing, you would continue to work, continue to help us to respond to your word however you see fit. Jesus, we love you and pray that your love that lives inside of us would be evident to those whom you've called us to love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.